0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Joe Scarborough was in great form this week. As MSNBC's morning anchor with his wife, Mika Brzezinski, he was not in rare form bashing the Russians for their propaganda surrounding the intentional collision of a Russian jet with a U.S. drone over international waters in the Black Sea. I've come to expect this when I turn on the morning news, even though I must admit it wears me out, and to think he gets paid millions to play gotcha every day just to make the more liberal of us feel justified in our point of view. I've come to feel that that is what the news has become, a game of gotcha. Mind you, the fact that we have a video of the Russian plane clipping the propeller and spraying the drone with jet fuel is damning. So there was a gotcha to counter the Russian denial. The real issue is the speed with which we are escalating towards a Third World War. Now, the Pharisees in this morning's gospel would have liked Joe Scarborough. The fact is, when Jesus, a guy who's a real pain in the backside to the Pharisees, was caught breaking the Sabbath law, by curing a man from blindness on the Sabbath day. They went into full gotcha mode, caught him in the act of breaking God's law, gotcha. He can't be some kind of God sent from a prophet because he broke the Sabbath law. Jesus must be a sinner. You can't just break God's law and be on God's side at the same time. But oops, the claim cannot stand up for more than a minute because you cannot deny the punch behind the premise that no one other than a heaven-sent servant of God can cure a man who's been blind from birth. Score one, gotcha, for the disciples. So plan B. Impeach the miracle itself. Sound familiar? It was no miracle. It was fake news. It was all set up a fake staged miracle. The man had never been blind in the first place. No prior blindness, no miracle, no need to connect Jesus to God. Well, that doesn't work either because he was a well-known beggar had lived in the town all his life, and they'd known him from birth. Jesus cured the blind man. But the Pharisees will not concede this point. So they fall back on plan A and call Jesus a sinner, knowing full well that no sinner could have pulled this off. Disciples, too, Pharisees null. Interestingly, by calling this cured man a sinner, as evidenced by his having been born blind, the Pharisees now tacitly acknowledge the miracle. Okay, they want to say, so what if he was healed? He was born a sinner and is still a sinner. So there. Gotcha. Well, not so fast. If they are now admitting that the man born blind has been healed, then it doesn't matter who the man is. The fact that Jesus divine has divine character remains. Gotcha. They cannot get out of this logically. Disciples three, Pharisees null. No. Well, it's not quite that straightforward. The disciples started out with the wrong assumption that the man was born blind because someone must have sinned. Jesus provides the Bible's most singular, most striking counter-argument against equating bad things with specific sins. The blind man's unhappy situation may ultimately be a tragic fallout of a world that has fallen into sin, but it was not the result of any sin of a blind man or his family. The Pharisees, deep down, saw what what miracle was done. Their stubborn rejection of Jesus came not from blind ignorance, but from willful sin. But the real tragedy of the whole story is that all of this wrangling and spiritual posturing, gotcha, keeps everyone from appreciating the marvelous miracle that happened. Like several New Testament healing stories involving the blind, so also here we see a blind man recover his sight and then immediately start to walk around like a typical blind like a typical sighted person. Neurologists would be amazed at this really happening. Not only would Jesus have fixed his optic hardware, but Jesus must have installed all the mental software that allowed the man to make sense of the information he was receiving through his eyes. Although we do not realize it, The ability to see is one part physical phenomenon, but also one part mental exercise. Functioning as a sighted person requires having access to a whole long backlog of visual experience. That's why blind people who surgically receive the ability to see cannot instantly begin to act like all other seeing persons without having had the prior experience with things like depth perception, the formerly blind find themselves reaching for objects that are actually well out of reach, even as they knock over a glass of water, which is closer than they thought. The irony here is that the Pharisees, who believe their vision can penetrate spiritual matters like labor, like laser precision, precision turn out to be the truly blind ones. Now, I've spent the last eight minutes of my sermon telling you about the stupid argument the Pharisees got into with the disciples and haven't said a word about why it might be important. This is a foreshadow of the serious events that will occur in the next couple of weeks. Jesus will go to Jerusalem. Those who know him understand that when confronted with human frailty, false piety, the need always to be right, to do what is lawful, he will always err on the side of compassion and love and self-sacrifice. They will meet him with shouts of Hosanna to the son of David. But as we know will happen, he will be tripped up by the status quo, by those threatened by the power of love and acceptance, with affirmation, tolerance of indifference, of difference, and the result is known to most of us all too well. The righteous will proclaim, he calls himself the son of God, and therefore should be put to death. By our law, he ought to die. And expediency makes it happen. Do we not understand that we are all guilty of sin and yet we proclaim to know the Son of Man? We need to know the grace of Jesus no more, no less desperately than does every last one of us. If your eyes are open, then you may see. Blessed are those who see. Amen.